Welcome to Death Becomes Her, the mini-cast where we spend five to ten minutes discussing death, dying, and grief from a variety of angles. I'm your host, Lyella Kelly. It has been a busy couple of weeks in death doula land. In the last 13 days, I have supported two families through two deaths. The first was a 96-year-old. She was a sweetheart who I met about six months ago. Her quality of life was quite poor, though. She had become bedridden about a year ago. She was ready, and her family was ready. The second situation had some more challenging aspects. Challenging because it hit closer to home. This woman I had known for several years. She'd been a longtime client in my massage therapy practice. She was a doting mother and grandmother. She received a terminal diagnosis just 11 days before she died. The diagnosis and prognosis shocked everyone. I just had seen her earlier this month for massage and all was well. Today, I'm here talking about her death. Sometimes life really has the ability to whiplash you. Even when you are accustomed to working with death and dying, it's still shocking when it occurs in one of your own relationship circles. People often ask how I deal with the stress of loss. Historically, I have not been great at self-care. I am really just a great big hypocrite. I have been a massage therapist for 22 years, and in that time, I have literally had less than 20 massages. My clients are so much better at their self-care than I am. But I know that I am not alone. There are so many out there who, like me, neglect self-care, so I do feel like this is a topic that is worth talking about. A few years back, when my grandmother was 93, she made the decision that she could no longer live on her own and that she would move into my parents' home. My mom is a natural-born caregiver, so this was a great idea for everyone at first. It turns out some of the traits that I get from my mom are caregiving And unfortunately, that tendency not to prioritize self-care. As grandma's physical abilities diminished, mom became more and more exhausted. She slept less and less. With her exhaustion came a tired mind and an inability to view situations clearly. She desperately needed help, but no matter how we presented it, she wouldn't accept it. She wouldn't allow skilled care to come in the home to help. She wanted to be the one who cared for her mama. And there is nothing wrong with that, but it wasn't going well. There were all sorts of worried conversations flying around behind the scenes, trying to figure out how we could get the support that the situation called for. We were now more worried about mom's health than we were about grandma's. At one point, a doctor who read the situation well mercifully admitted my grandmother to the hospital for a couple of nights just so my mom could get some much-needed respite. My grandmother died eight months after moving to my parents' home. My mom began to sleep again, and everything eventually returned to normal. But it was an eye-opening experience. One person's lack of self-care, though rooted in love and giving to others, it was causing her health to deteriorate and creating so much stress for those around her. Up until that point, I had never considered that our own choice to not care for ourselves could not only be destructive to ourselves, but to those around us. I mean, it's obvious in some areas of life, but I had never applied it to caregiving. I feel like this should have been obvious. 
what's the saying? No man is an island. We do not operate independent of everybody else. Our actions and our inactions affect the people around us. Even if we do have the presence of mind to realize that we're hurting ourselves through our own choice to put our mental, physical, spiritual, and emotional health on the back burner, we likely don't realize that we're also inadvertently causing stress to those around us. When you put self-care in those terms, it suddenly seems much more valuable. It's not all about us. I certainly don't want to be hurting those around me, and I'm guessing that you don't either. That being said, I want to share a little about some of the things that I have been doing in an effort to be more balanced in this regard. I certainly do not have it all figured out, but my hope is that you will examine your own situation and find areas where you can improve as well. So let's start with some of the things that I am actually good at. I enjoy being active outdoors with my friends. Fresh air, conversations, I know that this makes me feel good and I do it often. I also have an active spiritual practice. I do daily reading on my own and then I'm involved in a variety of regular activities with friends and family and that definitely helps me to distress and to focus on something positive and bigger than me. I love spending time with my husband and son. Just hanging out with them is great. I feel like those things come quite natural to me. I do have to buy out the time from my schedule, but it's easy enough for me to do. What about you? What elements do you feel that you're good at? Here are some things that I am not so good at. I have a difficulty taking care of my own body. Yes, I am active, but I will still be active even when I'm in pain. I will keep going and pushing until my body completely rebels against me. This became painfully, literally painfully obvious this last winter when my body became my enemy. It just ceased to work properly. I couldn't touch my toes due to my back pain. My fingers were numb and tingling due to my neck pain. I hurt everywhere. I was an absolute mess. So I'm going to put taking care of my body on the list of things that I am not great at. I also suffer from anxiety and panic attacks. I've had the tendency to believe that this was also something that I could just muscle through. Just like the physical pain, I've kept pushing until I completely break. And this has been very stressful to those around me. Again, it was hard to realize at the time, but my lack of self-care was causing those around me to worry. So what about you? What areas are you bad at? What habits do you have that may cause others around you to worry? I found it helpful to ask questions like these, to look at myself and see what I'm doing well and where I need to make improvements. My changes are a work in progress. I'm realizing where my limitations are and where I need support. I now have meds for anxiety. They make me feel better. Among other things, they allow me to do the work I love, which is supporting people through excessively difficult times. I've begun seeing a chiropractor and body workers regularly. I even have a prescription for regular massage. I can touch my toes and my body doesn't hurt. Again, I am more useful because of self-care. I've also added a special little ritual into my life. There is a beautiful bakery near my home. They make gorgeous cupcakes, tarts, and sweets. When I do lose a client, like the two that I've lost in the last couple weeks, 
I go to the bakery by myself. I look at all the sweets and I choose one that in some way connects me to the person that I've said goodbye to. I order a cup of coffee and I sit at the counter by myself, my back to everyone else in the bakery. It's just me. I take time to think about the person and to honor the time that I've spent with them through a beautiful treat that I thoroughly enjoy. It's my own little ritual. No one else is invited. It's time just for me and my thoughts, and I love it. Caregiving is hard, even on the good days when it brings joy and fulfillment. It requires dedication, determination, and time. That's the tagline for the Rosalind Carter Institute for Caregivers. Are you a caregiver? Maybe you're a medical professional or someone like me who is intimately involved with death. Maybe you're caring for aging or ailing parents or a spouse who's suffering from dementia. Perhaps you care for a special needs child. Caregivers are everywhere. Rosalind Carter also said there are only four kinds of people in the world. Those who have been caregivers, those who are currently caregivers, those who will be caregivers, and those who will need a caregiver. Caregiving is a constant learning experience one that we are likely to learn one way or another. Hopefully, one of the things we learn is to take care of ourselves, guarding our physical and emotional health. After all, we can't effectively care for others if we don't first care for ourselves. Thank you for listening to the Death Becomes Her minicast. Connect with me, Lyella Kelly, at www.leavingwellmt.com. Special thanks to Roman Belove for our intro and outro music. Thank you for tuning in. And remember, talking about death won't kill you. I promise.